listening? Damn. Uh. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado, publisher of beaverblitz.com. Joined with me, as always, is Beaver Blitz beat writer, Jake Hedberg. Jake, it's a Wednesday. We typically do this on Monday. Had a few things pop up that we couldn't change. How are you doing this fine Wednesday? I mean, I'm doing great. You know, um, parents weekend uh, is this weekend, so I'm super excited. It should be a fun game. I'm imagining research is going to be rocking. So I'm pretty stoked. Yeah. I mean, what's the buzz around campus? I mean, you were around for the Utah game, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Does this have similar level buzz more or less? What's your, what's your thoughts so far? Yeah. You know, I really think it has more um, Oregon state's coming into this game five and one rather than three and one. They've, uh, they've already knocked off the top 10 team and, and now they have the chance to take down a, another top 25 team in front of the students and all of the, all of the, the Oregon State fans. Yeah, so it's not only just family weekend, parents weekend, dad's weekend. I've heard it mm-hmm. all the above. Um, is it kind of dad's weekend or are there are a lot of moms? That uh, Greek life, it's technically dad's weekend, but throughout the school, it's family weekend. Okay. So. I mean, everything works. Um, I know some dads, though, that say moms get their time in May, so the dads are taking mm-hmm. full advantage. But yeah. um, it's also, for us old timers, it's homecoming mm-hmm. as well. So um, lots of parents, lots of family, and a lot of alumni coming back to campus. So it's going to be a big weekend taking on number 18 UCLA. We have a jam-packed show today for you. Um, first, we're going to start with that win over Cal. So um, maybe it didn't go the way that we thought it might go. Some surprises, both good and some surprises, bad. Jake and I are going to break down that game. We're going to talk Pac-12 like we do every week. Um, there was a, a shorter slate of games last weekend, but a full slate this week. Some big games on the ticket um, coming up. And then we get into previewing UCLA and what they bring to the table, as well as a mailbag. It is, it's a busy week. So I know Jake's been doing some like radio, um, doing interviews with, with UCLA people. I just jumped off CBS HQ, um, where David Woods from Bruin Blitz or Bruin Sport Report and myself talked a little bit about this matchup. So this is a big one. So when CBS Sports wants you on, it, it means it's a big game. Um, but let's go back. Uh, if you have questions too, or if you're in watching us live, I know the timing is a little weird, but put your comments. I have it pulled up here and we'd love to add that. Or if you have mailbag questions that you didn't get into the lodge, post them in the in the comments. But let's talk Calvin. 52 to 40, Jake. None of us were even close on the Beaver Blitz picks. What was your overall thought of that game? Yeah, I mean, I came away very impressed with the offense, particularly the passing game. Defensively, there is room for concern. You know, we've seen Oregon State play two Pac-12 games on the road now, and those teams have put up 40 and 38 points. And if you want to compete for a Pac-12 championship, that's not acceptable. Um things do need to change. And if they take that into Arizona and Colorado, there's a chance that we could potentially go down in that game. Yeah. Those two games got way more interesting than we thought at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. season. Um, You know, Arizona, right. Taking three overtimes at USC and and Colorado, obviously the the hype train Um, 52 to 40, like you said. So let's, let's talk about what went well first. You mentioned the passing game. Yeah. DJ, Uangalele, is that how you thought his, you know, kind of five TDs? I think it was what, 70 some percent? 76. Mm-hmm. Game, one of the best games of his career. Um, yeah. Not know, only what? his career, but a best one of the best games in Oregon State quarterback history. Yeah. Yeah. What did you, I mean, was it just DJ? I, I think that this is a, it's a wider issue. And I, and I put on our game notes, it was game plan too. Um, yeah. This was a game, you know, they, they kind of did everything we've talked about on the damn podcast for, for weeks yeah. now. Jake or Jack Belling had um, three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Um, they got the the smaller, quick receivers, the ball in space. We saw some slants. We saw the fly sweep. What you know? What did you think overall of, of the game plan, and then just DJ in general? Yeah, I thought Coach Lindgren, Coach Henson, the rest of the staff, they did a fantastic job 
Um, you know, a play that comes to mind is the first drive of the second half. The they had uh, all throughout the season they'd ran um, screen passes to to uh, to Gould and Bolden, and then they ran a rocket screen. Josiah was wide open, perfect throw, touchdown. And to me, that's just great coaching, recognizing that teams are starting to jump up once they see that look and then adjusting and creating a 38-yard touchdown pass. Um, going over to DJ, I thought he played phenomenal. Um, not one gripe I would have with his performance. I thought he, he again, had that composure you kind of saw against Utah, the moxie. Um, he looked very comfortable. Uh, really just picked apart the Cal secondary. And it in a game where Cal has a good run defense, Oregon State took advantage of their weakness. And it was it's really promising to see that um, from a guy who a guy in DJ who has had his issues with cons- with consistency to have two straight really solid weekends. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, DJ looked um, Nick Volker. Welcome to the chat. He just said DJ threw better than most pros. Yes. Yeah. DJ, what what I thought is he looked so comfortable. And I, I haven't mm-hmm. seen that he really has had happy feet or anything, but he looked so in control, so poised. Um, and those long throws, I know, Jake, you and I have talked about it time and time again through fall camp. His long, his deep throws are, look effortless. Mm-hmm. Like he's able just to, to flick his wrist. And um, But you're right, setting up plays. And this is something I think everybody kind of forgets. So um, the playbook keeps opening up a little bit more each week. But a lot, if you look back at some of the plays that they've run throughout the season, it basically is setting up plays now going going mm-hmm. forward. So, yeah. Um, and again, I think you, you're seeing that in the red zone too. I mean, Oregon State prior to this weekend in the red zone had been predominantly throwing, or excuse me, had been predominantly running the ball. And you see Jack Velling three touchdowns. At least two of them were off play action passes. The run sets up the play action pass. And then the, Isaac Hodgins touchdown as well. Every, pretty much every time Hodgins has been in the game, it's been a run. And Cal just ignored it, and he was wide open. Yeah, it's so much fun to watch. Um, there were a couple calls that I thought were questionable. Um, and I, I took some heat again on Twitter for it. But the onside kick in the second quarter, what was your thought on that? Yeah, to me, it feels like they were kind of trying to replicate what they did against um, UCLA in 2019. Uh, at that point in the game, I really am not a big fan of that call. I I think Cal, they're starting a quarterback who has one career pass attempt going into the game. You you want to play to your advantages, and that's not giving the offense a 30-yard, 40-yard field. Um, I think it would have been smarter to kick it and potentially save that for a tougher opponent, whether it's UCLA and Oregon or Washington, because um, now it's out there. Yeah, you know, that was the thing I, I thought, too. I thought the timing was not good um, because it really wasn't needed. Oregon State, no. even though the score was a little – it wasn't a, a blowout, Oregon State was in complete control. I mean, there was not a point during that game that I thought Oregon mm-hmm. State was in trouble. Um, and it went from a 14-3 to game to a 17-14 to to exactly. game just like that. And... Yeah. It, the other questionable thing I thought was just clock management um, before the half, before the first half ended, mm-hmm. um, taking that time out. And, I mean, they could have called timeout to get the ball back and maybe had one or two plays before heading in and then got the ball back to start the third quarter. So, yeah, little thing. It reminded me a little bit of, of Coach Riley, some of the complaints <laughs> with Coach Riley and the and uh, clock management. But, yeah, um, no, I, I, I thought, like I said, it's too you can't nitpick over that game offensively because um, really it was about as good as you could have hoped for. Again, again, mm-hmm. against a, a really decent to good Cal defense. Yeah, I mean, Cal's a solid defense. They outside of the Washington game, if you look at what they've done, they've held opponents. Um, they've done a pretty good job. And for Oregon State to go out there and put 50 points on a team has to be considered a big time success. So defensively, the, mm-hmm. the defense gave up a lot of yards, more than we've seen them give up uh, this season. And you know, really, what highlight what's what I kind of took away was too many missed tackles. What was your assessment of the defense? Yeah, I agree. I do think um, missed tackles, particularly in, in the run game. Uh, Cal does have two really good running backs in Jaden Knott and uh, Isaiah Afonso. Um, but Oregon State struggled, it, excluding Easton Hascarenas. Guys had a tough time bringing down uh, those cows back, those cow packs. And 
Oregon State still plays some tough running backs. So if that doesn't get fixed against teams like Oregon with guys like Jordan James and and um the Bucky Irving kid, then you know it could be it could be longer days. And that's something that needs to be fixed. Um we've seen it on the road more than home. Not sure yeah. if that is just a coincidence or if there's something tied together with that. But um it, I do feel like that's an issue. I thought the secondary actually did a for the guys they had out there, two senior leaders, I thought they did a pretty solid job. Uh, came away really impressed with Jermaud. Um, true freshman went out there. He made a big interception. Yeah. Thomas played well again. And then Josiah Johnson, he's a guy who's a walk-on, and he's starting, and he's holding his own. So I came away impressed with the, with the, with, with the secondary for sure. Yeah, especially when you, when you look at it, you had um, your two starting corners, Jaden Robinson and mm-hmm. um, Ryan Cooper Ooh. Jr. were out. Um, we were told after, after Utah that Jaden had a hamstring. I'm not sure what is up with Coop, but we saw him leave or you saw him leave on a cart, Mm -hmm. um, after the Utah game as well. So, um, that was San Diego state or San Diego state. Okay. Um, it was a month ago now they did warm up. Um, and I just, I, we heard that they just weren't, they weren't feeling Mm -hmm. like they were ready to go. So, um, I don't think it's anything long-term. Hamstring yeah. could just be tight. I would anticipate them both being back. If I, if I was a betting man, I would. Okay, so I mean, but back. think about and and Mark in the comments brings us up too. They're without their two starting corners, yeah. and then that first half. Remember, they were without James Rawls, Rawls Hart. and Calvin Hart. So um, I do think Cal did a really good job of keeping the Beaver defense off balance with their hurry up tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that you could really see Oregon State struggle to line up correctly, and that, and I and I don't think they were ready for that quarterback. Yeah, and, and I mean, going to that tempo, that's something Chip Kelly, he's going to bring, and it is something Oregon State is going to have to adjust to because we know what Chip Kelly's done in the NFL at at Oregon. He likes t- to go fast and run the ball, and if you look at what Cal did this weekend, went fast and they ran the ball. Yeah. So what surprised you most about the, the performance? Honestly, the secondary, like the, the younger guys um, – seeing that first drive, seeing Cooper and Robinson not on the field was kind of like an, oh boy, this could be a interesting game, especially after, you know, what happened against Washington State. Um, but Jermaud, Noble, Josiah Johnson, all three of those younger sophomore and freshman guys, they they really did a good job. I, uh, Cal, off the top of my head, they only had that one big chunk play, and that was a missed assignment by a linebacker. I, I'm assuming it's what it would look like to me. So I came really impressed with the back end of the secondary. And then, and then offense was, was the big takeaway. Were you surprised by the score? Are you surprised that (laughs) A, that Oregon State scored 52 and B, that the defense gave up 40? Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised at both. Um, I didn't think Oregon State was going to put up 52 points and I sure as hell didn't think they would give up 40 points Mm -hmm. to Cal. Um, I think I put it down as like 34 to 13, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I was wrong. Um, Cal, I was very impressed with Cal. I think their offense with their new offensive coordinator is much better than what it was under um, Coach Musgrave in prior years. So um, I, I think they're definitely a team that is going to be better in the next couple of years and a, a would-be Pac-12 competitor. <laughs> but Russell Motes just said um, in the chat, with four starters missing the first half due to targeting and injury, I can see our defense bouncing back in a big way against UCLA. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I also think a big part of that is the having the home field advantage. Yeah. You know, I think it's pretty telling, like based off the defense's performances in road games versus home games over the past two years, that this this defense in particular really feeds off the student section and just the overall um, the overall environment. Yeah, and, and that's something I know we've talked about some on the pod, but mostly in, in, during our staff picks is Eric, his his big takeaway is winning on the road in the Pac-12 is hard. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. Not, no matter who you're playing, even the teams that you think, oh, we should walk away with this, you know, Oregon State should walk away with this one. On the road, it's a totally different ballgame. So mm-hmm. um, you do have to think. I mean, a lot of these kids are from the Bay Area. They had a lot of family and friends in town the night before. Um, no matter what kind of um, – curfews and different things are in play. They're still meeting up with friends, family. Yeah. Um, and they're just not home. They're not, um, it's a hostile environment. 
even if Cal isn't necessarily known to be a, a super loud yeah. atmosphere. Um, you know, it was their homecoming game. They had mm. a, a decent crowd for, for Cal standards. Um, and I do, I, especially defensively, they just play better with that mm -hmm. home field crowd. So um, it's going to be interesting. I, I do think Trent Bray has proven over the past year, year and a half, that he, uh, with given time to get these guys prepared, yeah. can do so. So it's going to be an interesting game yeah. this this week. I think this this may kind of sound crazy or come off as crazy, but is there a better home field advantage in the Pac-12 than Reeser? Because going back to my freshman year, which is 2021, Oregon State is, I want to say, 15-1, and 16-1 at home. And that one loss was to a SC. USC team that they very well should have beat if they had a competent quarterback play that game. That's that's a great question. I I, I mean, I think, I think Utah would be in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, a good one too. For a student section, but I do, I think, especially with the new side of research mm -hmm. open, I, I do, and I think the student section, um, Oregon I think, State. Yeah, I think there's a clear top four besides Oregon State, Utah, Washington, and Oregon. I think those are the toughest places to play, which it's kind of funny if you were looking at Oregon State in the, in the start of the Jonathan Smith era and the Gary Anderson era that with the fan base turnouts for games not being what it should be – to now having such like a loud and hostile environment and it's it really does help win them games it, it totally does and i think you, you i mean every time we talk to players that is one of their big takeaways is, mm -hmm. is being at home and I, I know you told me that uh um student tickets sold out in a half an hour on monday if even it was like 15 minutes yeah wow. 10 15 minutes that's was pretty fast nuts nuts yeah. and, and jake you did forget to get your dad a ticket yeah but we, we, we came through. We got we got it. Um, Thank you. Very much appreciated. Got it. Thanks to Beaver Blitz. Um, I actually am super excited because my kiddo is coming home from college this weekend. Um, so the little Machado clan gets to go down to the game. And uh, he actually, he's not a football fan, but he is excited to come to the game. And he actually went down. He, he's, for those of you that don't know, he's at Grand Canyon University. He went to the Arizona Cardinals game this weekend. So. Oh, really? Yeah. They, him and his roommate. Thought that'd be kind of fun. And Luke's a little spoilt. The uh, only NFL stadiums he's been at now are Allegiant, SoFi, and now um, State Farm. So he's, he's picking some, some good ones. But so it, it should be a, a super fun game, super exciting. And I think uh, Beaver Nation is going to be loud and proud. And gosh, we typically film or tape this on a Monday, and this is Wednesday. So we are amping up quick. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you've yeah. been super busy. You've had a chance now to to hear from all the coaches um, that we hear from during the week and the players. I know they're amped up. So if you haven't watched um, the interviews from the week, make sure to um, head to Blitz or our YouTube channel. So they're in both places. And then Jake's also been working with the guys over at uh, Bruin Report to get all the, the latest leading up to this week. So, so much going on at Beaver Blitz right now. If you're not a member, definitely join because this is um, such an important time. Big visitor list coming in this weekend. Very um, big. It's going to be a, a, I mean, lots going on over the next uh, six, seven, eight weeks. Um, okay, let's talk about Pac-12 because we always like to keep up with with the the uh, the traitorous ten. I like to call them the <laughs> the, uh, the tra we'll call them the traitorous ten. Um, just to kind of you know, it's, it's going to be a battle. We don't really have, speaking of which, we don't have anything new to um, report on. Uh, the front that front there is been reports mediation on the the realignment there's mediation between the pack 10 and the pack two and then um it sounds like november 14th there is the trial set for mm -hmm. you know for a little more clarity so stay tuned to that um okay week that was it was a, like i said a small slate of games for the pack 12 Start off with uh, 13, number 13, Washington State, 17, UCLA, 25. UC, uh, UCLA beat them in the Rose Bowl. Pretty close game. What were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, I thought the Bruin defense just shut down um, an explosive Washington State offense. I don't remember the exact yardage total, but I want to say that the Bruins had a 250 to 300-yard um, uh, gain on them. And to me, that was – it, it was interesting to see after how well Washington State did against the Oregon State defense for UCLA to go out there and completely shut them down. It's it's concerning. Um, maybe this defense isn't as good as we thought it was after the first three games uh, and the Utah game as well. But um, 
you know, overall, I thought it was a big win f- for the Bruins. And I do think you're starting to see the Pac-12 kind of do Pac-12 things and start to cannibalize each other. And that's going to continue this weekend as well. So Yeah, so um, what was interesting about that game was, um, so UCLA, their one loss is to Utah. Um, Utah. Washington State's one losses to UCLA <laughs> and Oregon State's one losses to Washington State. So this weekend is huge, yeah. right? So yeah. um and all the in the tiebreaker type scenarios, this is a, a this is a big one. Um but what I saw, so when I think back to Oregon State, Washington State, I think Oregon State had a half where the defense played poorly. And I think Washington State and Cam Ward played out of their minds, like perfect yeah. game type. Um what I saw against UCLA is Washington State played a little more pedestrian did not have an offense like we maybe saw. Um, and, and that's what, you know, we talk about all the time about, you know, just getting, having some lucky bounces too. So um, mm-hmm. some days you bring your best game, some days you don't. That was a big one though. I I, I just felt it, this week's going to be so telling to find out, you know, is Oregon State's mm-hmm. defense maybe not as strong as we thought. Um, so it, it's going to be a big one. Colorado beat mm-hmm. ASU 27-24. Is ASU yeah. better than you thought? Arizona State's team that really confuses me. Um, <laughs> still, they got blanked by Fresno. Yeah, they got blanked by Fresno, but they go out there and they they don't hang with USC, but they keep it somewhat competitive. They go out there and hang with Colorado. They almost win that game. It to me, it's probably the team I'm most confused about in the Pac-12. It's almost like they're they're up and down. Like there's some weekends they look got awful and there's some weekends where they're competing against better teams in the Pac-12. Um, for me, another takeaway f- from this game was Colorado is not what we expected, and I think that's proven to be the case after the Oregon loss and the USC loss. If you look at how TCU is doing, they're 3-3, three and three, lost to West Virginia. If you look at how Nebraska is doing, it's Nebraska, it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> if you look at Colorado State, they're not a really a great team. Um, so to me, it is kind of, I think both these teams aren't very good. Um, I think they're, I think Colorado's in that third or fourth tier in the Pac-12 and Arizona State's right there in that same category. Yeah, and I don't even know what, Arizona State has had like six home games. So yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts. Um, I, I don't know if you saw that video of uh, Shadur's Handers though. He yanked off an Arizona State player's health guard and threw it into the into the um, the stands. And to me, like as a quarterback of all players, you shouldn't have your starting quarterback. Like I don't, I I think Dion's an easy easier guy to cheer for, but everything his son has done, it's, he just got the ego, the whole. I don't know. It's just very. I didn't see it, but I, I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of people talking about negative things. things. Yeah, I remember that, John Canzano even said something um, after Pac-12 um, media days about him just like not being into the interview and like thinking it was a waste of his time. And that, you know, that ego to me is something that rubs the wrong way. And yeah. I don't know. And, and it could affect him later on. Yeah. Draft, I mean, draft stock. Yeah, yeah. Like our quarterback's going to want him or a team first guy like, Michael Penix, yeah, yeah, Sanders may be a better NFL quarterback, but who's the guy that you want in your locker room? Is is it going to be a guy that causes issues, or is it going to be a guy that puts his head down and just goes to work? Connor Johnson just said in the chat, um, where does Colorado get their sixth win? They've got they Stanford. Maybe I Zona? Do. I don't think they do. I think that they beat Stanford, and that's it. It's going to be an interesting one because, I mean, the, the hype, like I said, I, I don't think I've ever seen a hype train quite like that one. No. Um, and I actually kind of like Dion. I think, I mean, Dion kind of is who he is. It's, it's not like he Dion's apologizes. Not, yeah. Like he's a guy where he, like you don't like, it's harder to like root against him, but a guy yeah. like Shadur that does things to, I don't know. It just, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, it's going to be an interesting, an interesting bio here. Um, okay, so we've already talked about Oregon State, Cal, and then number nine USC triple overtime, forty-three to forty-one win over Arizona. Did that one yeah. surprise you at all? I said on the podcast last week, I, I said, "Don't be surprised if Arizona upsets them." I said, "I think it'll be a close game. Don't be surprised if Arizona upsets them." And I was—I mean, I hit that on the hammer. I think 
Noah Fafita, the freshman quarterback, did a fantastic job going into that a top 10 road game, and he balled out um, six touchdown passes, five, six. Uh, he played a really f- fantastic game. Um, again, I I think USC's defense is terrible. Um, yeah, yeah. I do not see this team competing for a Pac-12 championship. I think they'll lose to Washington and Oregon. Um, do they get both of them? Yeah. Because USC or UCLA doesn't get Oregon. either. Yeah. USC's at Oregon the week we play Stanford, and then okay. they host Washington. Um, okay, that's yeah, they'll weeks. lose to both of them. I think they. I, I, I just, yeah. Caleb Williams is a great quarterback. He may be the best college quarterback we've seen in since Andrew Luck, but he can't do it all by himself. He can't do it with a defensive coordinator okay. that gives. No, up I mean their offense is electric. But yeah, yeah, the defense. You can't give up forty points to Colorado and Arizona and back to back weekends and then expect to compete against Washington and Oregon and Utah even. I don't know. It'll be yeah, I'm if I'm Lincoln Riley, I I need to get rid of Grant. She is not a good defensive coordinator and it's been proven at multiple schools now. It's it's crazy. Um okay so that was last week. Let's talk about this week. We have a full slate pack 12 games this week. Um starting off Friday night Stanford at Colorado, where the Buffs are 11.5 point favorites. Yeah, I see Colorado rolling with this one. Stanford is not good. Um, their offense is stagnant. You know, their quarterback situation between um, Lamson's with Lamson and um, Daniels, it's kind of a mess back there. Um, I think Troy Taylor, he's going to need a few years to build that program up, and I think Dion's boys are just going to – be better. They're better athletes. They're bigger, stronger, faster. And I think Colorado will win that game. I think they cover too. Okay. Then starting Saturday, Cal at number 16, Utah, the Utes are 13 and a half point faves. This is a game again. I think Cal could play closer. Um, Utah um, rising, still a question mark. Brent Keithy still a question mark. I'm assuming they're not going to play. Because um, at this point, I haven't heard anything that says they're not going to. Um, I think Cal covers this game for sure, 100%. Um, I think they found their quarterback with um, Fernando Mendoza, and they've got two really, really good backs. And this is a Utah team that can't really throw the ball. And I, I do think Utah's going to win the game just with that uh, environment playing it at Rice Eccles. It's going to be tough for any team to go out there and win. But I do think this will be a closer game than – what people may think. Okay. Arizona travels to the Palouse to take on number 19, uh, Washington state and the Cougs are eight point favorites. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited uh, to watch this game uh, on Sunday. I was hoping I would be able to watch it on Saturday, but I'm not going to be able to. Um, I'm a little bit interested in Arizona's decision to go back to Jaden Dolores. Yeah, the me too. To me, that's, you've got a hot hand. You've got a guy who's thrown eight touchdowns in two games and, He's led you to two one-score games against two top ten teams, um, and Jaden De- Delora. He's used to play f- for Washington State. Didn't leave there on the greatest terms at all. Um, I think it, it'll be an emotional game for for Jaden Delora, and I could see it being a game where he makes some costly mistakes. Um, I, if I'm Jed Fish and that coaching staff, I'm going with Nella Fafita, but. Um, I, I think Buffett has been the, the hot hand, like you said. I, and, and I, I think and, he's been better, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Just in general, he hasn't made the mistakes that Jaden Delora has. I mean, do you look at the, uh, his game against Mississippi State? He threw four picks, I want to say. Um, it is a little bit of a head-scratcher. I think Washington State wins this game. Um, I'm going to stay away from the spread on that one because, uh, you know, there's a whole I – don't, I, don't, I don't really feel confident enough in – the touchdown spread to make a choice there. Number 10 USC at number 21, Notre Dame Irish are three point favorites. So basically they get the home field. Yeah. I'm going Notre Dame in this game. Um, I think Sam Hartman is the best quarterback USC will have played th- this year. I think Audric Estime is the best running back SC will play this year. It's also the best defense they'll play against this year. They haven't really faced any tougher defenses. And I, I like Notre Dame to win this game by a touchdown or two. I think they jump out early. They got the home field advantage. 
Hartman has a really good game and picks apart the Trojans secondary. And okay. I wouldn't be shocked if Grinch gets fired after this game. Really? Okay. There you go. Kind of a kind of a bolder <laughs> take, but Jake's hot takes right here. We'll, yeah. we'll see if you're right come Monday. Um, okay, so we're gonna go back now to number eight Oregon at number seven Washington. Huskies are three point favorites. College game day is in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon St- or the the damn flag. If you're not following the damn flag on Twitter, um, Oregon State now has a account. Fellow Beaver Blitzer started an account for the damn flag to run alongside Old Crimson. Um, got some fans going up to wave the flag next to Old Crimson. I hope um, we see lots of orange and crimson up there. Oregon State or uh, or Huskies are three point favorites. How do you see this one uh, playing out? Yeah, I'm very excited to watch this game. I'm gonna have my eyes glued to the television. Um, two high powered explosive offenses. Um, you know, I think Washington is gonna win the game by a field goal. I think it's gonna be a really close game. Um, I I just feel like the home field advantage. If this game wasn't Eugene, I would take Oregon, but it being in Seattle, I'm going to take Washington. And I think I think this very well may be a preview of the Pac-12 championship game. Um, okay. At this point, I think these are probably the two top teams in the Pac-12, two explosive offenses with senior with senior quarterbacks and really good defenses. Um, you know, Oregon has a really strong secondary. Washington has a really strong front seven, and they have a good secondary as well. Um, I'm really excited. It's going to be a great game to watch. You gonna so dad's in town? Are you gonna you and dad gonna watch this game, or you gonna have to watch uh, it someday? I'm gonna watch it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> don't know what dad's yeah. doing, but don't know what dad's doing. But I'm watching that no, game. No, it's gonna so. be it's a 12:30 kick, so um, we'll yeah. definitely we'll watch part of it before we head down to Corvallis um, from Portland. But huge game, huge implications. I Absolutely. I. I, I think Washington just has is better across the board. So um, I think home field, it's going to be a good one though. Um, yeah. Uh, there is, uh, we just found out about this. There is going to be a, a quarterback high school kid visiting Oregon state this weekend. So this weekend, keep an eye on that. There's going to be a lot. There's a couple corners at their um, top of Oregon state's list from Florida coming out as well. So mm-hmm. um Shine. Yes, we'll have we'll have the uh, full rundown. Brandon Huffman just texted me that he will have a full rundown of, on Beaver Blitz on Friday, because um, sometimes things get at some guys get at it, but it's going to be a big time crowd, yeah. big time group of visitors. So definitely tune in there. We're going to take a quick break for the podcast side of things. We'll be right back because then we're going to break down UCLA at Oregon State. Okay, welcome back to the damn podcast. This is the Bring On the Bruins edition. UCLA Bruins coming to town to take on Oregon State for homecoming and family weekend. Huge game. We just kind of broke down the entire Pac-12 slate, but it is time to talk about that Oregon State-UCLA matchup. Okay, so looking at their schedule, UCLA, I'm going to just kind of give you a quick rundown of what they've done to date. Um, they beat Coastal Carolina out the gate at home 27-13, went on the road and beat San Diego State 35-10, to came home, played North Carolina Central, never heard of that team, but they beat them 59-7. to Heading into Pac-12 play, they lost to Utah 7-14 to on the road at Rice-Eccles, and then last week beat Washington State in the Rose Bowl 25-17. to What is your... Biggest takeaway about UCLA this year? Yeah, you know, I think they're a team that is very defense first. Um, they've had struggles offensively with a younger quarterback. I think uh, I think they're a very well-coached team, too. I, th- I think Chip Kelly is still um, a really a really solid coach. I think their um, their new defensive coordinator through five games has done a really great job. Um, again, I, I feel like this team's going to rely on their front seven in particular. Um, it's going to be a strength-on-strength matchup when Oregon State has the ball. Uh, this is a run defense that's top five in the country. They give up 64 yards um, per game, which is r- really good. Granted, they haven't really faced 
any running backs as good as Dame or Fenwick, right? Quite frankly, um, so I think this is a ma- it, it, it's going to be a tough test for Oregon State, but I think it's one that they can win. Yeah, so I think I think that is the the hugest thing. First of all, I haven't seen a UCLA defense this good in a long time. No, I, um, I can't remember the last Bruin defense. And so that's that's gonna be. But I do. Uh, we were just talking with David Woods for um, CBS Sports HQ, and and he brought up a really good point because I you know I said the the trenches and, and you can say a game is won or lost in the trenches every week, but like he said, this is an Oregon State offensive line that is elite. We're not talking just good. This is an elite offensive line versus. U.S. or UCLA's strength, which is their defensive front seven. That battle is going to be epic. Do you, yeah. I mean, do you see them just basically standing each other up for, you know, make a play here, stop a yeah, play? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be very much a chess match back and forth. Both these teams have future NFL potential starters um, in their front, front sevens or offensive line. I think there's going to be a ton of scouts. Um, you know, they have a, a – a, Pass rusher, um, Washington transfer, uh, Leatu Latu, I think that's how you yeah, say it. Yeah. Um, and that is going to be the toughest test that Josh Gray and Tali have faced all season. And it's going to be a good chance f- for those two to show NFL scouts what they can do against a guy that's going to potentially be a first round draft pick. Yeah, that guy's a beast. Um, huge. Um, pound for pound, he might be the best pass rusher in the country. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Um, UCLA, though, is still going to try to spread the ball out offensively. That has kind of been Oregon State's Achilles heel for years now. How does Oregon State stop this this spread attack that Chip Kelly is going to want to run? Yeah, I think what they have to do is make Dante more uncomfortable. Um, You know, I think Oregon State needs to replicate what Utah did against them, you know, get to the quarterback, rattle him, and make him feel uncomfortable. He's – a younger kid, he's still 18 or 19 years old. He's only faced one really true hostile environment, and this will be another tough one. I think pass rush, I think I think Trent Bray needs to get his guys uh, his guys on the edge attacking the passer. Uh, don't give him time to sit back and stay comfortable. Yeah, I, I think that is going to be the key to this game is to really get to him early because the crowd noise is going to be something I think that, maybe they can't replicate and get him ready for. I mean, he did yeah. have it um, on the road at Utah, but it's going to be loud. It's going to be rowdy. Um, get to him early. Yeah. I do also think that turnovers are going to be um, something that will potentially play to Oregon State's advantage. Um, UCLA is averaging about one and a half turnovers per game. If Oregon State can force Dante Moore into a couple bad decisions, then that could go a long ways. How do you think DJ plays this week? Do you think we see DJ that we saw last week, or do you think we see DJ from maybe earlier in the season? It's a good question. Um, I think DJ is going to do enough for Oregon State to win. I think he's he's not going to go out there and throw for 200 yards and five touchdowns because he's going to be pressured a lot. He's not going to have as much time to s- really sit back there. And I, I think it will be telling for him. It's a good test for his – potential NFL draft stock, you know, Um, I would argue this is the best defense Oregon State's faced all year um, up there with Utah for sure. And I think he's going to have to step up and play really well if Oregon State wants to win this game. How successful do you think Oregon State running backs, Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick will be against this uh, uh, UCLA front seven? I think it'll be similar to the, um, Utah game I think they'll both get going a bit I think I I don't think they'll both hit 100 yards I think I think it's not out of the question for Dame to hit 80 yards on 17 carries and Fenwick to get his eight carries for 35 yards I think they'll be efficient uh you may not see as many big time chunk plays as you've seen against Cal or Washington State or San Diego State but I I think they'll be able to run the ball, just maybe not as effectively as the coaching staff would want. This is, I was going to ask you this, but Connor Johnson asked in the chat, is Huaga healthy? Have you heard anything? Uh, Everything from Jonathan has been, he hasn't, I mean, usually he's um, very tight lipped about it, but I would imagine he is back. Haven't heard anything that indicates otherwise. And then Jake Levengood as well, expecting to be full go for Saturday. 
What is your X factor or, you know, who is your X factor in this game? Uh, for me, I think it's definitely DJ. I think if Uyunglele can really change the game with his arm, uh, like he has, make a few big time throws on deep balls, especially, I think it could go a long way. Um, Oregon State, they've, they've been throwing the ball deep more the last two to three weekends. I've started to really see that show in film. They're progressively from Washington State to Utah to Cal and now to the Bruins. I think they've been progressively throwing the ball deeper more, and I think they're going to take some shots against a Bruins secondary that's not as good as their front seven and would be considered the weak link of this um, of this team. Do you think this passing game with DJ and what we saw, especially against Cal, is is this the upgrade that you were expecting to see yeah. from Oregon State quarterback play? Yeah, you know, what I, after last year, just having a quarterback with the ability to throw the ball and really having the that downfield threat in the playbook just adds a whole other element. You know, teams can't really stack the box like they necessarily could prior to the acquisition of DJ. Um, and it, it does go a long way. It it helps them um, win games because they're not one-dimensional. And it, it 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 is truly beneficial. And I don't think Oregon State necessarily beats Utah if they don't have DJ or beats Cal either, t- t- quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. Here, Connor Johnson also has – I think this is a yeah. – I miss Jam. He's not even on the field in Oxford – and yep. we could use a change of pace back. Absolutely. And I, I think carries. we've learned, I, I think we've learned a few things. Yeah. Three carries in Oxford. I think we've learned a little bit that, and I, I tell my kids this all the time. Too, Same the thing grass, with States too. Yeah. The grass is not always Boston's greener. Job. Yeah. And just so what, what really kind of baffles me is Spate saying he wants to leave Oregon state to go somewhere and compete for a national contender. Yeah. Look at how Ellis, Ellis, he was doing. And, and not even that, like, boosting your draft stock your draft stock's not going to get much better playing on the bench behind a true freshman linebacker whereas at Oregon State you would have been the leader of this team it's just a little head scratching like I said the grass is not always greener so um, I think that's something that I think I think athletes get agents and um, Mm -hmm. handlers in their ear telling them things so that's just my my two cents on that one and that could go a long way too with the potential conference uncertainty a lot of guys may be thinking of transferring out if you will look at what spates has done you look at what jam's done you may be thinking oh like why leave somewhere where i've been been you know pretty productive i've yeah. uh, i've got a draft stock i've got i'm surrounded by the right uh team i've got the right culture the right coaches um something to keep an eye on i i agree and i i i do think there's this um there's a quick rush to either, you know, get your money and uh, listening to outside uh, sources, but you really, and I'm seeing this now with my own kid playing sports in high school, you can't over um, oversell what a good team culture can do or what a bad team culture can do. Yeah. So um, yeah. I mean, I've played on teams in high school basketball, particularly with bad culture. And then, you know, the next year is a change. Just the the levels in the culture just kind of yeah. changes, and it shifts the team's performance. You know, playing on a more talented team, losing in the second round, playing on a less talented team, and making the state tournament. It it goes a long way. It, it's huge. So um, not only just mindset, everything else. So it's it's something that's a whole another day. I think we could talk about, but mm-hmm. um, no, you're right. And I, I, there is uncertainty where Oregon state's going to land and where Washington state's going to land or what's going to happen. But, um, you know, there's something to be said too, for, you know, like I said, nobody's jumping ship yet. So I almost think, no. you know, thinking about the whole realignment thing, it feels to me that a lot of teams just jump ship without thinking. Right. And that's yeah. now they're like, Oh, Whoa, there might be money in here. And we might've had mm-hmm. an easier path to the, See, so yeah, I I don't know. Like I said, we don't know what's going to happen there, but yeah, transfer I think a portal, lot of people yeah, kind of freaked I've, out. I, I'm very split on the transfer portal. There's advantages and negatives, and I think it's detrimental to teams' cultures depending on the coaching staff. Like if you have the right coaching staff, if you have a guy like 
Nick Saban at Alabama who's going to get guys and he's not going to put up with any, you know, BS. And you got guys like – or other staffs where it's like they let guys come in and they have egos. You know, they come from being the guy at their school. They want to be the guy at, at, at this school. And you just you just get those t- those tensions flare and it just can destroy a program. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we broke down. Okay. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask you, we haven't done a prediction all year. So we're not even going to start now about what you think. Cause you'll give us that for the, the deeper staff picks. Um, okay. I have a whole ton of mailbag questions here from Beaver Blitz. Are you ready to, to answer some damn questions? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay. Let's say Morrison 2k 17. Is there any information on why we haven't seen Kelsey Howard playing or at least making the rotation? Is he still Kelsey's red shirting. Yeah, yes. he's red shirting. I, I, Kelsey's yeah, red shirting. In my totally mind, involved. The, yeah. In my mind, the reasoning for that is frame wise, he was a little too small to play defensive line, and he was a little too big to play like the Chatfield or Takari, uh, like pass rusher spot. So I think they're getting him in the weight room and trying to either slim him down or boost him up for 2024. Yeah, and and if you, I mean, he has been scout team player of the week several mm-hmm. times already. He's still um, very involved. He's super he's, involved. If you, yeah, yeah, he's he's not yeah. upset. He's a team first guy. He's, he's yeah, very much yeah. a team yeah. first player. And I, but you're I right. Just like it's it's a noticing, weight issue. Yeah, that's kind of like it's an it's not a negative weight issue. It's just he's kind of a tweener right now. He's yeah. They're still trying to figure know. out what they want with him. Yeah, I I haven't heard which way he's going. If he's I haven't either. At, yeah, I would imagine edge. That's he was recruiting. Yeah, I still think he's an edge guy too. Yeah. Um, okay, go beeves. Oh wait, he was just answering the question. So Reeser Beeve 23. If OSU and Washington State gets the financial windfall from the Pac 12, who could be added to rebuild the conference to bring maximum value? Yeah, you know, um, really I think if they do do this, they will kind of go all over the country, kind of take a best out of the group of five. Um Teams that come to mind immediately, just in terms of TV market, uh, San Diego State, Tulane, South Florida. Um, See, I, I I disagree. I don't. They have been so vocal about keeping it West Coast and keep looking out for student athletes. Yeah, I think this is what I think. If if this happens, Oregon State, Washington State, they're they've already been working with the the scheduler guy mm-hmm. to schedule. They cobble together the best schedule they can for two years. In this two years' time, this is all going to crumble again, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I could totally see. I mean, Big Twelve might be, you know, falling apart. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? But what I see happening is teams like Utah, ASU potentially, who kind of seem to be having a little buyer's remorse right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, maybe looking to get back and and do some West Coast. So maybe you get mm-hmm. maybe you get Cal and Stanford back. Maybe you get um, Utah, ASU, maybe in Arizona. And then maybe you pick and choose from maybe a a, a Boise, Boise and a, a San Diego and keep Fresno. a West Coast another Pac-10. Maybe you go yeah. Pac-10. I would much I, rather have it be a Pac-10 than a national thing. Um, but I, I do think if if Oregon State and Washington State stay as a Pac-2, if this works in their favor, I see them scheduling some Power 5 teams to get strength of mm-hmm. schedule up. Notre I see Dame them. Even. Yeah. I mean, getting some decent, um, you know, guys that want some, some games in there, you, you go that route. Um, it's not going to be easy sledding, but no. um, I could see it working out because I do think this whole realignment is still moving in a totally crazy direction. And in two years time, it's going to be a completely different landscape. Um, greatest football memory of all time. For me. Oh boy. Like playing or. Uh, Reeser B23 just says once know your greatest football memory of all time. Oh, oh you think about I'm it. I, was, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go with mine because yeah. you weren't even born for mine, but my <laughs> greatest football memory of all time was 1998 Civil War. Mm. Best game I have ever been to in person. Um, yeah, it, it was unreal. The the electricity around that stadium and and the feeling for an Oregon State fan, fan base that for too long I think felt like they yeah. were out of it. And they actually, at that point, you felt like, okay, th- we've got a shot. Okay, what, yeah. do you have one yet? Yeah, so for me, uh, last year's Civil War, me and my dad had um, sideline passes. 
So okay. just like being on the sideline for the that game, like the entirety of the game and seeing like the energy in the stadium kind of build up from the 34 to or the 31 to 10 to the blocked punt or the drop snap on the punt to the Jaden Grant tackle for loss to the Isaiah who will touchdown run or the Bengal Branson, whichever one it was then to the fourth down stop. It, it was really crazy to see a stadium turn from like dead as a doornail and, and even on the sideline too, quite frankly, for it to be like guys down to really the loudest I've heard a reser and it was half empty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was, that probably takes the cake as the coolest moment, at least through Oregon State. That it was, it was a good one. Um, Andy Baseball wants to know um, what happened to Olu Omata Macho, Omata Show. I'm totally butchering that last name. Yeah, um, he's played on special teams now. Yeah, the last two games. So he's he didn't play at all the first four games, and I just think it's he's got experienced guys who've been in the system and um, Stover, Mick Carton, um, Chatfield in yeah. front of him. Um, he's also a little shorter. He's 6'2", six, six, where the rest of those guys are all, all about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, um, I, I think they're slowly trying to build him up. Uh, special teams, I think, are going to be a m- more of a normal thing for him to try and at least get him on the field because he is a really talented player. WH1 – who, if you don't know, he has actually been the guy getting the flag going, the flag waving going on game day. He said, given the UCLA and UW games will both be on major network, if OSU stays ranked, is there any plan by the athletic department to bring back as many of the great athletes and sports that have been at OSU over the years who appear a group as a group at halftime uh, to support and keeping OSU a power by program? Brings back a lot of names. Yeah. You get like a Rutschman, a you know, Gary, Gary Baker, Gary Payton, Baker. one and two college world series teams, Fiesta bowl team, yeah. Chad Johnson, Ezra yeah, Dwallow. Oh, he goes, yeah. Rogers, but I mean, it'd be, it would be pretty impactful. Yeah. I, th- I think it would as well. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's a great idea for sure. Um, Pat Beaverman says, who were the last few true freshman quarterbacks that played at research and how did they fare? All right. So per my memory, Ari Patu from Stanford in 2021 was the last one Oregon State faced. Okay. Uh, he was 50% completion percentage, threw for like 50 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Um, Oregon State won that game. It was the first game of the Trent Bray uh, era as defensive coordinator, um, parents weekend, my freshman year. Um, but going before that, I want to say Jaden Daniels in 2019 was the other one that comes to mind, and he – he did pretty well um, as well off the top of my head, but Oregon State, um, Oregon seems State like, won that game. Yeah, Oregon State seems like over the years it's just been like – It's not been true freshmen. It's been backups. Yeah, <laughs> backups, yeah, that come in. True, I guess. Um, Beavs Fanatic123 asks, do we see Aiden Childs again this week for the third series of the game? Yes, I think you do. Yeah, I do too. I, I, at this point, I think it's pretty clear he's not redshirting. Um, if you are redshirting red, – red, red shirting him you don't play him in his four games yeah um before the season's even at the halfway point yeah i just think he's too special of a talent um you you play him i mean um, and he's get him three ready. for three he's three yeah. for three for touchdown in his two drives he's had against pac 12 teams yeah yeah for what it's worth <laughs> um do we know any health status did any any updates that you've heard any of the guys no term yeah. thing um jack connor was back last week that mm-hmm. was the only big time. Um, he was back, what, high ankle sprain? Yeah, he had a high ankle sprain against UC Davis, Davis. I want to say. Um, but Kane's back on special teams. Oh, uh, we did see Julian play a drive or two yes. uh, in the first half against Cal, which was promising. Um, didn't see him at all in the second half, but slowly starting to get back to his point – or starting to get up back to where he was. Um, yeah, I was – watching the game and I was like is that number seven and I was like that is number seven and it was it was Julian so I was promising to see him get, you know get, get some yeah. meaningful time rather than than just blowout time yeah because he had been we've been seeing him kind of at the end of tail end of the game so that was super mm-hmm. positive to see yeah um hopefully he just can continue to build confidence on that on that knee 
-hmm. Beaver Billy wants to know on a scale of one to 10, is there any chance DJU is back in Corvallis next season? I mean, he does have another year. I'd say slim, two or three. I doubt it. Yeah. But, no, there's always a possibility. There's always guys that you don't think are going to come back that come back. And I think that quarterback battle would be really interesting to follow in spring ball if he does decide to come back. But I, I'm expecting him. He's a, He's been in college for four years now. I'm expecting him to move on after this yeah. season. I think he's already graduated. He has, yeah. Okay. Mr. T. Gray, this is this is actually something Eric and I were talking about in the car yesterday. It's a good one. It's 2029, and all of the teams that left the Pac-12 would <laughs> like to come back. Who gets in, and what are your terms? Um, who gets in? I think Utah. It's okay. in for sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> Arizona, Arizona okay. State. Okay. Colorado. Uh, okay. Uh, for me, it's hard for the Big Ten schools. In yeah, particular. I agree. Because I... they kind of were the ones that created this whole mess. Well, yeah, and it, and it and... did start with USC and UCLA. Yeah. And then and Oregon and Washington Oregon were the nail in the coffin. Both. And I, I, if they do come back, I don't think Oregon State and Washington State would be too thrilled about that. <laughs> and frankly, um, I don't think you need Cal and Stanford, to be honest. I don't either. Because... Yeah. Like, what do they add athletically? There, I'd rather – they're snobs. Sure, I mean, sure they have the academic standard, but give me like a BYU or a, a Baylor or a Texas Tech. Or okay, would you take BYU and Baylor over Cal and Stanford? Because oh, Cal and 1, Stanford were always the yeah, were always 1, the naysayers. One thousand percent. I One thousand percent. I don't know if if um, you you saw this yet, but uh, during Pac-12 media day today for, for basketball, it was reported that from Nat Prem, I think that. Tinkle and Altman want to play once a year, regardless of okay. the conference thing. And for me, that's kind of a big thumbs down. I don't yeah, I, see I a agree. reason why we play them. I would, yeah. Just, yeah. I just thought that was interesting. I'd say, well, I can't say what I would say right now because <laughs> yeah. this is a family-friendly podcast. Lips are and, sealed. <laughs> yeah, can't can't use the language that I would probably yeah. use if Altman asked if we wanted to play. Yeah. Um, my turn. So I agree with you, and I would I would take BYU and Baylor like in a heartbeat. Over I would too. Yeah. Over Cal and Stanford. Um, I feel like culturally they fit in more with Oregon State and Washington State than Cal and Stanford. So would you let USC and, and US and UCLA back in? No. Okay, you're being you're going to play hardball. How about yeah. okay? How about if you let those Big Ten defectors in, but they have to come back? A, they have to pay come back at a smaller entry share. fee, <laughs> and then come back at a reduced share. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> You can come back for thirty thousand or thirty million, while the rest of us are making mm -hmm. sixty. And yeah, that's a great, great question. I'd love we're gonna pose that in the lodge because I do want to hear <laughs> what what that's that's a great one. Um, if the defense plays against UCLA like they did Cal, can Oregon State still win the game? No, but I don't think the defense will play that bad. I, again, I just think being at home field will be too much. Okay. Let's see here. Let's, we have a bunch here. I want to, we're almost out of time. I think there's a few in the chat too. There's a, okay, let's see. Um, is Jordan Pope? This is Connor Johnson. Thank you for all your, your, um, your comments and questions. Is Jordan Pope the best Pac-12 point guard? Okay. I'm going to catch some heat for this one. <laughs> But my childhood friend and high school point guard is a freshman at Oregon, Jackson Shellstad. He was a five-star recruit, and got to go with him just because known him my He's whole a life. freshman. He hasn't done jack squat. He he's gonna be an NBA player. He's he's better than 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 Peyton Pritchard ever was. Okay. Like he's I, I might catch some heat for that one, but okay. So um, go one more Jackson. Uh, Big Z one three two asks, "What should the Beavers? What do the Beavers need to do to deal with the speed Chip Kelly wants to play with?" Hmm. That's a good question. Again, I th I think making Dante more uncomfortable. Don't let him get into a groove. Will be big. Um, if he gets comfortable and he kind of finds his rhythm, then it could allow him to make throws he wouldn't necessarily make if he was, you know, pressured and uncomfortable and jitterish. So, um, just Getting that pressure is going to be big for Oregon State's chances. 
bring the heat is what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Bring it and bring the noise, Beaver Nation. Yeah. Jake wow. and I will be, be on loud. the sideline prior to the game. Um, make sure if you see us in the parking lot or on the field to say hi. I am Angie Machado. He is Jake Hedberg. Make sure to join us at Beaver Blitz the rest of the week, but we'll be back next Monday, 3.30 at our regular time for the next episode of the Dan Podcast.